Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Exhausted Grace Aki. <laughs> Grace, did you or did you not get a water balloon dropped on your head on Monday night at Joe's Pub? For those of you who are avid Broadway listener fans, I did not have a water balloon uh, dropped on me, but I did have some of the best talent in New York City performing with me at Joe's Pub for my first Sweet Meat show at Joe's Pub, and I hope to make it a regular thing. So Joe's Pub, please have me back because it was an absolute delight. Our lovely Ashley Steves was there. She seemed to laugh a lot, so I think that it was a good night. Yes, I talked to her about it. She said it was a great night with a great crowd. So uh, hopefully you get the chance to do that many, many more times. And if you do, we, of course, will talk about it here on Broadway Radio. You can hear all of our episodes before you can hear them anywhere else over patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Stay tuned for all of the fun things that we have coming up over there as the rest of August rolls forward. But Grace, this is a little different because we have a story that we're going to do here in a second that I can't put in the Patreon episode, at least not yet. We have an embargoed story that will drop at 9 a.m. in the regular feed. So if you want to hear that story, either check out the regular feed at 9 a.m. or come back to the Patreon feed where I will have a special standalone episode of us talking about this story dropping at 9 a.m. But there will be differences between the two episodes, so just so you know, that's happening now. But that story, Grace, is that Monty Python's Spamalot will be returning to Broadway in just a few months at the St. James Theater. The show will begin performances on October 31st with an opening night on November 16th. They are saying that it is a limited engagement, and then in parentheses, probably. Not many more details were announced other than Josh Rhodes, who helmed the recent Kennedy Center production that uh, I believe you saw Grace, will be back to direct and choreograph. Nothing else. We know nothing else. They did say that they will probably announce casting an additional creative team at a later date. They said they'll consider it. I assume that they will actually do that at some point. What's interesting about this, Grace, is there was no cast announcements, but we know some of the people that were involved in the show in DC have some other stuff going on. We know that James Monroe Iglehart is getting ready to do the Louis Armstrong musical um, Wonderful World Out of Town. We know that Alex Brightman, who did the show in Washington, DC, is going to be in The Shark is Broken until mid to late November. That would overlap with this. So we don't know what that means in terms of casting, but at least a couple of the people have other things going on. So we will see what they do with the company when that is announced. But this is a show, Grace. I keep a list of every Tony winner for best musical, and my goal is to see them all. Some of them are much more difficult to see than others. This is one I've never seen. So I'm planning on being up in October before this before it starts. So I don't know if this means I have to come back or maybe it runs long enough for me to see it in the spring. But um, this is another one coming back, one that a lot of people are really excited about in DC. So this is, I think, going to be the first Kennedy Center center stage production to transfer to Broadway. Is that, am I, am I right about that, Grace? I don't know, Matt. Um, <laughs> I think it is. Answer. I think it is. Um, it might be. I think there's been a lot of co- a conversation around yeah. like the pipeline from Kennedy Center to Broadway. I know a lot of people are talking about Kiss of the Spider Woman likelihood of that happening as like a rumor, but nothing like fully reported on. Um, so, yeah, I think in recent times, that is the case. There was much chatter around the music man back when that was Norm Lewis um, of that. Uh, it was a different music man that came to Broadway with Jesse Mueller. Yeah. So um, I, I'm interested to see 
what that trajectory looks like. I know that, uh, you know, they were able to do so well with the fact that like people had not seen this show in so long and they have such great nostalgia for it in DC that they were thrilled and the cast was exceptional. So I'm excited to see what that could mean for Broadway. Obviously the St. James, uh, you know, just going into another show is, is good for them. I know that, you know, when, when theaters are vacant, it's very scary times, but everyone's fighting for theaters now. So I'm uh, like in a good way, <laughs> but uh, I think it's, it's really exciting. So I'm curious to see what that cast looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that we will know fairly soon. Tickets will go on sale starting on August 8th, so a week from yesterday at 10 a.m. That is a fan pre-sale that you can register for ahead of time. And then the general on-sale begins a week from today on Wednesday, August 9th. So I imagine that they will do at least some of the cast announcements around one or both of those dates just to gin up a little bit more conversation and a little bit more excitement, encouraging people to buy tickets as soon as they can. All right, depending on where you are listening to this, this is either your second story of the show or your first, but we did get some pretty exciting news about a number of shows happening out of town that we're going to run through here at this part in the episode. We're going to start in Maine, what a gorgeous state. It's almost it's almost Canada in some ways. Uh, up at the Agonquit Playhouse, they have revealed the cast for the American premiere of the stage adaptation of The Da Vinci Code. Performances begin on August 24th with an official opening on the 26th, and it is currently scheduled to run through September 23rd. The cast is pretty starry, Grace. I'm, I'm a little surprised. I didn't think that this was going to have any names really attached with it, but... Starring as Professor Robert Langdon, the yeah. role played by Tom Hanks in the movies will be Michael Urie. Playing Sophie Nouveau in, in this production will be Hannah Cruz, who has been fantastic in everything I've seen her in. She was wonderful in Only Gold. I think that's the last thing I've seen her in. And then playing Sir Lee Teabing is Emmy Award winner Charles Shaughnessy. Now, you might know him from The Nanny. I know him as the recently killed off Victor Cassidyne on General Hospital. After reigning terror for a year or two on General Hospital, he recently met his end in Greenland on that show. But this is exciting. I remember reading the Da Vinci Code book back in 2005, 2006, whenever it was, 2005, uh, and just devouring it. It's now become a little bit trite and uh, cliche because so many other things want to do it. But uh, I'm excited what this looks like, especially when you put Michael Yuri doing something that is a little more serious. We know him. He's such a phenomenal comic actor, but seeing him do things, something that's a little bit more serious. I'm really interested in this, Grace. I don't know what the trajectory of this show is going from Algonquit to New York, perhaps. But uh, if Michael Yuri's in it and Hannah Cruz and Charles Shaughnessy, sign me up. Well, it's funny that you said um, a former Spamalot person because Michael Urie is also a former Spamalot right. person. Um, he did it so in DC, right? Exactly. Yeah. I forgot. Um, yeah. So that's that's really exciting, and I think that um, I'm curious also to see where that goes. All right, we're going to go from Maine all the way out to Los Angeles because coming up, starting um, well next week, the production of Peter Pan Goes Wrong is going straight from Broadway out to Los Angeles, and they have announced two very special guest stars that will be joining the show at the Center Theater Group at the Amundsen Theater. In this role that Neil Patrick Harris played and Ellie Kemper played as Francis, the narrator in Peter Pan, from August 9th through the 20th will be West Wing alum Bradley Whitford, and then he'll be going from August 9th through the 20th, and then from August 30th through September 10th is one of my favorites, a Broadway alum, 
from the TV show Lost, one of my absolute favorite shows of all time, Daniel Day Kim, will be playing Francis. So the show is going to be in performances from August 8th through September 10th with an opening night on August 11th. It's funny because... These two guys are more well-known as dramatic actors, although they have both done comedy, where you think of Neil Patrick Harris and Ellie Kemper, who did it on Broadway, you think of them more as comedians and, and, and comic actors. So very excited to hear what this is like with Bradley Whitford and, and Daniel Day Kim representing two of my absolute favorite shows of all time. And then we're going to go up to Canada, and we're going to get the international premiere of the musical Beaches. Now, you might not remember much about this show. It had an out-of-town tryout in Chicago starring my beloved Whitney Basher and the always fantastic Shoshana Bean a few years ago. They are now going to do an international premiere at Theatre Calgary, where the um, artistic director is Stafford Arima. It is going to be directed by Lonnie Price and co-directed by Matt Cowart. There's going to be some, some modifications to this show when it begins previews on May 18th of next year. The book is still written by Iris Rainier, Dart, and Tom Thomas. Dart provided lyrics. Dart originally penned the show. David Austin provided music for the show's earlier incarnations, but Grammy winner and iconic songwriter Mike Stoller has joined the musical's creative team as a composer for this version. When you're like, Mike Stoller, I don't, I don't know that name. He's the guy that co-wrote all of the songs in Smokey Joe's Cafe, literally wrote some of the biggest early rock and roll hits of all time. And now he is joining this show. So I'm interested to see what this is all about. It's weird that you had a musical once you did it. Now you're taking it out of town and doing a completely new score. So I don't know, Grace, but this is at least interesting to me considering all of the talent um, that has been a part of this show in the past. All right, one more out-of-towny type thing, although this one is very close to Broadway. Yesterday was announced that a stage adaptation world premiere of the Oscar-winning film The Pianist will make its debut at the George Street Playhouse, which is just over in uh, in New Jersey. The show will begin performances on September 26th and is scheduled to run through October 22nd. Emily Mann is adapting the film and is also directing. In the cast will be Ukrainian-Russian Jewish actor Daniel Donskoy, along with Claire Beckman. Austin Pendleton, who just seems to show up all the time, Tina Benko, Jordan Lag, and others. This is a uh, a film that I know many many people uh, love. There's a lot of you know Oscar winning film adaptations happening for theater right now because I think we're in a time where there's nostalgia for that IP and like when it occurred um, in terms of like film and timing, like that made Adrian Brody's career, right? Yeah, absolutely. 2002 uh, movie, Adrian Brody won the Oscar. Um, yeah. So very interesting. We will see what that is all about. All right, let's head over into last week's Broadway grosses. Overall, they were down two shows as some things closed as they do towards the, the this point in the summer. That means that Broadway's grosses actually dipped a little bit, but not as much as you would think. They only went down by 1% to come in at $31,189,129. Attendance did go down 3% to 248,525 butts in seats. Overall, at the top of the list was The Lion King at $2,813,794, followed by Wicked at 2.1 million, Hamilton at 1.9, Sweeney Todd, just seven performances, at 1.77, and then Funny Girl at 1.7. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are Aladdin, MJ Parade, which did nine performances, 
So that helps it a little bit. Um, but then Cursed Child, Moulin Rouge, and Juliet, Back to the Future, which just did seven, and then six was just on the outside looking in. The two shows that closed last week, Grey House had a really, really nice bump with an extra $232,000 to come in at $644,100. And then New York, New York also saw a really, really healthy increase with just about $229,000 to come in at $914,748. So sad to see those shows go, but really, really excited that they got to go out on a high note. In the first six preview performances, The Shark is Broken did $207,873. It was next up on the list with The Cottage at $252,000. Again, tiny, tiny house over at the Helen Hayes Theater. And then Just For Us, Once Upon a One More Time in Chicago, rounded out the bottom five. All right, Grace, um, some very cool news happening over in Pennsylvania. But yesterday, we got information that a half-million-dollar gift from the estate of Ronald Franklin Pat has put the Oscar Hammerstein Museum and Theater Education Center over the line of funding to buy the Highland Farm, uh, the Hammerstein family home in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. The organization has been trying to purchase this land to turn it into a museum and a theater for many, many years. It's been very challenging for them, but they now have the money to make that happen. They have been trying to fundraise for over a year. So very, very exciting. The house was purchased in 1940 by Oscar Hammerstein II, and it's where he and Richard Richard Rogers worked quite a bit when they were not in Manhattan. Of course, this is also where Stephen Sondheim became very close with Oscar Hammerstein and all of those lessons that Sondheim talked about for many, many years happened on the the patio and the, the porch and in the rooms in this farmhouse. So very excited that this was able to get over the funding threshold. So the history and whatever else they do with this house will be able to be shared for generations uh, to come, Grace. All right, the last little bit of news that we have here comes from the York Theater Company. They announced the cast for their first musicals in Mufti show of the season, How to Steal an Election. The show is directed by York Associate Producing Director Joseph Hayward and will run from August 26th through September 3rd at the Theater at St. Jean's. The company will be led by Jason Gray and Emma Degerstedt. Kelly Berman and Drew Tanaby will also be in the cast. Additional casting will be announced in the coming days. Um, a couple of recommendations. This gives you 10 months of warning, but our friend Robbie Rizel will be returning to 54 Below next May, May 10th. He has not been there since, well, I think since his last show there um, was three years ago. I guess it was pre-pandemic, right? Very excited for Robbie. I, t I said, I told him like, I guess this means I know when I have to be in town next spring. I was hoping to come a little earlier, but it looks like May 10th is when I'm going to be in New York, Grace. So I'm guessing I'll see you there. Yeah. When Robbie sent me that he was doing the show at 54, that he's, listen, contractually obligated. I'm such a fan, um, not only as a friend, a colleague, but also as a performer. And so I will most definitely be there. Will I finally get my dream of singing uh, No One Is Alone With Him? Sure. Uh, but I think that this is uh, absolutely going to be an ecstatic night. I miss the Tuesdays with 54 Below and Robbie. So if this is our window back into that, let's bring it back. Yeah, absolutely. Contractually obligated, as you mentioned, uh, is the name of the show. So very excited about that one. All right. The last thing we want to talk about, Grace, I came across this. I, I Somebody tweeted it into my timelines 
But this is bonkers, and I need someone much younger than me and much more in um, a millennial generation, although I think I technically am a millennial, um, and someone more attuned to what's going on than me to explain this. But this is a three-minute TikTok breaking down the secret messages inside Taylor Swift's social media that this woman tries to use to confirm that Taylor is coming to Broadway so there's all these things with like billboards and what streets they're on. And I know Taylor apparently likes to hide messages in things. I get that. But this seems like a lot. So I don't know if there's any truth to this. This, Who knows? But can you at least like explain what is going on with this fandom and these messages? I mean, it feels very Da Vinci Code-esque. Do we need to get Michael Yuri in on this? Here's the thing. The Swifties know how to decode better than anybody else. And... Honestly, eight times out of 10, maybe seven times out of 10, they're completely correct in these theories. Um, So there might be a little bit of validity to this. I don't know in terms of what that would actually look like in terms of execution and also like interest. But again, like if we are on and we are on an actor and writer strike, like what does this mean for opportunities for performers of any medium? I think that there is some level of likelihood, especially given the Jonas Brothers concert of it all. So maybe, but there's definitely no insider knowledge on this. No, and she doesn't claim to have any insider knowledge. She's just like breaking down the clues from these promotional images. I have to say, like, I don't, I know Taylor Swift has done a little bit of acting. I think the only thing I've seen her in other than like Saturday Night Live was, oh gosh, was it New Year's Eve or Valentine's Day? She was in one of those movies um, with Taylor Lautner. It was Valentine's Day. Was it Valentine's Day? Okay, I get all the different holiday movies. She appeared in it with Taylor Lautner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought she was really funny in that movie. Like, I thought she was like, oh, she's like a legitimately talented comedic actress so whether she is coming to broadway to do a play as this woman suggests whether maybe she's writing something for broadway writing songs for a broadway musical maybe she's doing a residency show like you mentioned with the with the jonas brothers who knows but i can only imagine what an absolute mass of humanity it will be like for people trying to get tickets to see taylor swift anything Taylor Swift related on Broadway, whether she is in it or she wrote it. Like I see all y'all with the eras tour stuff that you're doing and it's absolutely breathtaking and exhausting. Cause I could never do that. But I mean, if we thought getting tickets to merrily, we roll along and here we are, were difficult. This would be insane. Grace. I would be more concerned with what's happening on the street and what a nightmare yes. midtown would become. You're right. um, but at the same time, if that is also like you know, creating work for people in Broadway theaters. Like, who am I to argue with that? We yeah. want those theaters filled. We need uh, to continue the the <laughs> the Broadway vibe. So let's um let's support this if it happens. But also, it could be very much a fan theory. Yeah, I'm terrified and, and nervous already, but we will see. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me basically anywhere at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms except X, I guess. But in fact, you totally can at It's Grace Hockey. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Wednesday, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow.